Well, before we get into the lesson this morning, I would like to encourage everyone to make a, a good effort and, and be here on Saturday uh, for our spiritual Saturday. We haven't been able to have one in a couple of years uh, because of COVID, so this is the first one that we've had uh, since that time. And we have uh, five different speakers that are scheduled to be here. Bruce Harris, um, uh, Bruce Blanton. Uh, Bruce, uh, preaches, uh, Bruce Harris preaches at Garden City uh, Church of Christ. Uh, Bruce Blanton preaches at the Adrian Church of Christ. Uh, Tim Dunn uh, will also be here. Uh, he preaches for the Flat Rock Church of Christ. And then Steve Woodhouse, who is the Parkview Church of Christ. And then uh, Travis Toy, uh, who preaches up in Davison at the Church of Christ there. Uh, they're all, I've talked to them all, they're all planning to be here. Travis uh, is expecting, uh, his wife and Betty is expecting a baby, and it's, uh, I think, due today or tomorrow. And so I told him when he agreed to come on the 4th that we just picked his child's birthday. Uh, so uh, let's uh, all be here or be praying that everything goes well for them and that uh, the child comes and that he'll be able to be here and uh, speak for us on Saturday. That sounds a little selfish, doesn't it? But that's a, if you don't get him, you're stuck with me. So, so think about that. So please make plans to be here. Uh, um, also mention that, uh, as usual, we're having sandwiches. We're having sandwiches and hopefully donuts. Uh, Myers hasn't really been able to uh, tell me for sure that we can have donuts uh, because there's something wrong with donuts nowadays, short supply or something. But anyways, uh, we're having sandwiches. That way we can get in and out in an hour's time, have lunch, and uh, be back out here for the afternoon session. And so uh, that's, uh, you know, if you're, you're signed up to bring sandwiches, try to have them here in time for that at noon. But I'm looking forward to it and hope you are too. When we look around, we can see many things in this world that make it a place which tragedy can happen. We see selfishness from people, people wanting what they want, it doesn't matter what anyone else wants, and they're willing to do whatever they can to get it. We hear a lot about freedom of choice. And people, again, uh, want their way. They want what they, they want and may not want you to have what you would like. We see natural laws that can also cause tragedy. I think that if we defy gravity, we can expect that there's going to be consequences for that action. You get too close to the edge of, of a cliff and you fall off, guess what? It's going to hurt if it's a long ways down. And so there's things in nature that take place. Storms and, and, and different things that can cause uh, great tragedies in our lives. And then there are those who are full of hate and envy and take it out on other people that are around them. And I believe that God is trying to tell us something and the lesson that we are going to look at this morning may not be what you would get out of what all this tragedy means. But I think that God also can get fed up with some of the problems that we see in this world. And the Bible tells us there in Genesis that there was a point where the wickedness of man, the imagination of his heart was only evil continually, that God was grieved and He repented that He had made man. And He told us that when this world comes to an end, it was going to be destroyed, that it was going to be burned up, that it would melt with a fervent heat, and the earth and the works that are therein will be burned up. That means they're going to be consumed, they're going to be gone. And so we look for a new heaven 
and a new earth. But in the meantime, while we're here on this earth, tragedy takes place. And we see these tragedies that it's hard to find any comfort in what's going on. Because we see lives that are cut short. And we see lives of people that are just going about their everyday life. Not to, you know, just a week or so ago, people on vacation died supposedly from carbon monoxide poisoning in the Bahamas. They're just enjoying a, a time together. We see young school children whose lives are taken in an act of, of uh, anger, an act of uh, uh, violence, and life is cut short for those uh, individuals. But God expects us to learn something from those tragedies, and He's trying to tell us something. He's trying to warn us in those tragedies, and He's trying to motivate us in those tragedies, and He wants us to remember when we go through those tragedies or we experience them. And I believe that one of the lessons that He wants us to learn is that life is short. Life is frail. It's fragile. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4, beginning at verse 14, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on a morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanisheth away. And ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we will live and do this or that. James is telling us that life is uncertain. We may look forward to tomorrow, but for some, tomorrow may not come. How many people get up today, have gotten up today, but are not going to end this day here on this earth alive? Because something's going to happen in their own lives. James is warning us, God is warning us, that life is short. That even when we're here for the longest period of time, you may live to be 90 to 100 years old, but even when you look at that time span on the scale of time, it's just a blip. It's just a vapor, as the Bible says, that soon vanisheth of the way. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 24, that light or our flesh is fragile as the grass. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of men as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. When we look, at our, look out in our flower beds and we drive through neighborhoods, we can see flowers that are bloomed up. And some of those flowers that came up early are already gone. And again, Peter's trying to show us here that life is short. That we're here for a while. We're here for a purpose. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. But we're here for a reason. But what we can learn from all of these tragedies is that life is very fragile. We have no promise of tomorrow. You see, we may have big ideals for tomorrow, but tomorrow may not come. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You look at our, listen to the news and you hear people that are just innocent going about everyday life and something awful or terrible happens to them. Maybe sometimes in our own lives, people that we're close to, friends, family, they're going about life. And then all of a, all of a sudden, they're no longer here. That's what God wants us to realize, that life is short. That we cannot control the number of days that we have. In Job chapter, in Luke chapter twelve, 
Beginning in verse 16, it says, And Jesus spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my, go my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast pr provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Think about what it's telling us there. Jesus is trying to show us that we may make plans. We may have great plans. We may lay up stuff in store and say, Oh, I can enjoy life now. But what does Jesus say about that fool? His soul was required of him that night, that day. And he wasn't going to see tomorrow. He wasn't going to be able to use those things that he built those bigger barns for because his life was going to come to an end. So what is, what, what's the lesson that we learn? That life is fragile. Life is short. Even at its longest for us, it's still very brief. I think all of us that have reached a certain age look back and we can say, wow, where did it all go? It just seems like yesterday we were in school. Yesterday we, we graduated. Yesterday we learned to drive. Yesterday we got married. And now look at us. You know, as, we, as, I, as I do funerals, the thought that comes to my mind is, you know, we're all in that procession. And it seems to me that line that's in front of me is getting shorter every day. Life is fragile. Don't take it for granted. That's what God wants us to realize. And sometimes these tragedies that happen in our life is a reminder of that very thought that life is short. We also realize that our time for service to God is limited. You see, we're here for a purpose. We're here to do something. God didn't put us here to just run around and you know, do everything that you know, is fun and enjoyable and just to live it up. He wants us to do His will. And as a Christian, we look at that as something that should be fun and enjoyable in our own lives because we're pleasing to God. We're doing what He wants us to do. And Jesus gives us a parable in Matthew chapter 25 beginning in verse 14, about the talents that, we, we, that are extended to us. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling in a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To another according to his several, to every man according to his several abilities, and straightway took his journey. I want to stop right there, because there, in that story, Jesus is telling, what's he saying? He's going to give us what we have the ability to do. He's not going to ask you to do something that you're not capable of. But in this parable, we see that those that were given different allotments of, of talents, He knew what they were capable of doing. And guess what? God knows what you're capable of doing. He knows your talents and He knows your abilities. And He hasn't given us anything that we cannot do. He hasn't asked us to do anything that's impossible. And so we go on, verse 16. Then he that had received the five talents winning traded with the same and, and made them another five, five talents. 
And likewise, he that received two, he also gained another two. But he that received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought another five, saying, Lord, thou deliverest me unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. And he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. I want to stop there in that story that Jesus is telling because I want us to realize that sometimes when we start to use the talents that God has given us based on the abilities that He knows you and I have, when we use those talents, guess what? We grow. And we grow our talents. And we find out, guess what? That, get, that we, we're capable of doing more than we even thought we were. And with God's help, we can do all of those things. And we need to understand that, that God has given us a purpose for this life. How many of us are living up to that responsibility? How many of us at the Lord return right now would hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. How many of us would be able to say, Lord, you've given me this talent, but look what all I've done with the talents that I've been given. How much I've grown. How much I've been able to help your kingdom to grow. But then we see the one man who received his one talent. In verse 24, Then he which received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou this thou hast in thy... Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reaped where I sowed not, and gathered where I had not strawed. Thou oughtst therefore to put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent of him, and give it unto him that hath ten talents. For every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How many of us are represented by this man here? How many of us realize that there's things that we could do, but we're just afraid to go out and do what we're supposed to be doing? Maybe you have a talent to teach someone. Maybe you have a talent to encourage someone. But are you using that talent? Or are you just sitting around because you're afraid to step out of your comfort zone and do what God wants you to do? You see, when we realize that life is fragile and life is short, we realize that not only in our own lives, but the lives of other people. And we want them to hear the truth of God's Word. And we want them to see it lived in our lives. Because we want people to see that God has made a difference in our lives. And we want to be that light of hope. It draws people to Christ. But this individual, he took his talent and instead of using it, remember God gave him what he knew he could use or this master gave him what he knew he could use. But he went and he hid it because he was afraid. How many of us 
want to do something, but we allow ourselves to let fear stop us from doing it. Our service to the Lord is limited. Time's running out. That's what He wants us to understand. You see, all of us have been given talents and opportunities. You say, well, someone else can do it for me. Well, no, not everyone can do it for you. Because sometimes the opportunities that you have, others may not have. You're going to talk to people. You're going to see people that I may never see. I'm going to see people that you may never see. And so I may have an opportunity that you don't have, and you may have one that I don't have. The question is, when we have those opportunities, do we seize them? Or do we allow fear to stop us? Oh, they might not like what I say. Well, that may be true. And so we say it as kindly as we can. We say it with love. We care about that person's soul. But sometimes the truth does hurt. Sometimes the truth hurts. But allow it to be God's Word that does it. But take that opportunity and seize those opportunities and use your talents. Because someday, there's going to be a day of reckoning that takes place. That master was gone a long time, but he finally came back. And that talent that, you know, the one that received five talents and the one that received two had doubled theirs. And all that same length of time, that one talent man had buried his and hid it in the earth. I ask you this morning, have you faithfully used what God has entrusted with you? Think of how much He trusts you with the ability that you have to do His bidding here on this earth. The five-talent man, notice what he got. He ended up with the talent from the one man. He had an abundance that was given to him by his master. But listen to those words again. And he which received the five talents came and brought them, brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. I want to hear those words. I hope you want to hear those words. But don't be like the one talent man because he was considered an unprofitable servant and he was cast into eternal punishment. Think about it. Have you taught anyone the gospel? Have you shared the good news of Jesus Christ with your neighbor, your family member, your friend? Have you encouraged that brother or sister in Christ that may be discouraged? Thinking about giving up? Have you helped to, to support that brother that's in another country as a missionary sharing the gospel with those souls that are in a lost condition in a foreign land? Do your, your children remain taught 
or untaught based on what the Bible teaches? Do you realize that as a parent that's your responsibility? Oh yeah, we come to Bible class. And yeah, we support that and we help that, but it's the primary responsibility goes to mom and dad. And as a mom and dad, are you living that example and saying the things that need to be said so that your child will be faithful to our Lord in the next generation when your life comes to an end? Have you visited the sick or the shut-in? Do you attend the services when you have an opportunity to be here? Are you here or would you rather be somewhere else? Oh yeah, I know it takes a lot of effort. I have to get up when that alarm goes off and yeah, I hit that snooze button. Yeah, I hit it again. And then I finally get up. But guess what? It's a joy to be here. And the benefits that we receive by being here far outweigh whatever you can be doing at home that may seem more important. Because I know if the Lord came right now, I would rather be here than at home doing whatever I was doing. And I could, I could say, oh, I, it was good. It was a good work that I was doing. But the Lord said, be here. Are we here at the services? Or are we going to say things like, well, I was going to do it. You know, we talked a little bit kind of about that in class. And one of the thoughts that was going through my mind when someone was talking was that, you know, one of the things that we kind of look forward to is that we're, we're going to have plenty of time. And sometimes we get on the wrong road and we're doing something we know we shouldn't be doing, but we think that we'll be able to get off of that road before the end. That we'll be able to change someday. I'm going to do it someday. And how many of us have been saying, someday I'll visit the sick. Someday I'll teach someone the gospel. Someday I'll make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Someday. But guess what? Life is fragile. And you have no promise of tomorrow. How do you use that time that God has given you? And when your time comes to an end... There's no better way to be found by God than in the course of doing His duty, doing what He wants us to do. So life is fragile. We need to be found doing what He wants us to do. But we also need to realize that our time to deal with sin is limited. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Isaiah chapter 59 verses 2 or verse 2 tells us that sin separates us from God. For it says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. So what's He telling us? That sin separates us from God. We need something to fix that, and God has given us a plan to fix that. But He also warns us that if we continue in that condition and we don't take care of it, there's going to be some terrible consequences for that. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11-15, through 15, And I saw a great white throne and Him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. 
and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in, those book, in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The question is, is your name written in the book of life? There's only one way to get your name written in that book, and that is to be obedient to the gospel of Christ. God has a plan so that you can have your name written in that book, and you want to keep your name in that book because it can be blotted out. And we're going to stand before that throne someday and give an account of our lives. And the question is, are you ready? That's something that each one of us needs to examine when we think of these tragedies that take place, that life is fragile. We need to be doing our God's will, but guess what? If we're caught up in sin, we need to take care of that sin. You see, God has given us a plan to deal with, with that sin. And that's one of the joys that we can get from God's Word. And that is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, when He says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto Me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Mark chapter 16, 15 and 16, he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That's what Jesus is telling us that we need to do. We need to hear that gospel message. We need to obey that message and be baptized into Christ. And that's the only way that we can get into Christ. In Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 47, Thus it is written, And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so here we see that Jesus is telling them what to preach. And so they go and they, they're in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. They go to that city and they're there and the Holy Spirit descends upon them and they begin to preach. What did they preach? They preached that gospel message. Just like Mark 16, 15-16 says, they preached that message. That's exactly what they were told to preach in, in Matthew chapter 28. They preached that message. And as a result of that, when they were told that they'd crucified the Christ, guess what? They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now what do you think Peter said? Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? For the remission of sin. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What is that gift? Salvation. What were they told to preach? What did it say there in Luke chapter 24? They needed to preach repentance and remission of sin. What did they preach on that day? The gospel of Jesus Christ. What did He tell them to do? Repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. That's what they were told to do. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And Ananias told Saul, 
In Acts chapter 22, verse 16, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. We call on the Lord to do what He said that He would do in this plan. And in this plan, He says that if you will believe and repent and confess His name before man and be buried with Him in baptism, that you'll have your sins washed away. That's what remission of sin means. Taken away. Blotted out and remembered no more. And guess what? Your name's written in the book of life. The Lord adds you to His church, to His kingdom. And we're going to be a part of that. Thank God that He's given us a plan that you and I can be obedient to so that we can have our sins washed away by the precious blood of Christ so that we can be reconciled back to God instead of allowing that sin to continue to keep us separated from Him. And notice that the Bible tells us it isn't something that you put off. It's something that you need to do now. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time of accepting, and in a day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Why is now so important? Why is today the day of salvation? Because life is fragile. You have no promise of tomorrow. You have no promise of the next minute. Tragedy can strike at any time. We can lose our life at any moment in life. And so we need to be ready. And thank God He's given us a way that we can be prepared so we don't have to fear that day. We can look forward to it. You see, it's too late to change after we die. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 that it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Judgment is coming for you and for me and for everyone else. And after death, we find that there's a great gulf that separates those that have done right and those that have done wrong. Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 24, it says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thou good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all of this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that, come, that would come from thence. Jesus is telling us that when life is over here on this earth, our destiny has been sealed. And so you either go into that prepared so that you can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or you go into that unprepared and you're going to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. The choice is ours. The choice is yours. What side do you want to be on? But after death comes, there's no second chance. You see, there are some denominations that are out there that will say, oh, there's a second chance. No. The Bible says there's no second chance. There's a gulf fixed between the two. You want to be on the side that our Lord is on. The saddest thing is, that when life is, is sometimes cut short, people aren't prepared. And a lot of times those same people that are unprepared because life has come to an end, I've heard say, well, maybe next Sunday I'll do it. 
I'll do it, but I'm going to do it someday, and that someday or that next day, that next Sunday has not come because they're no longer here on this earth. I wonder how many times as Christians we said, well, I'll repent, but I'll do it sometime in the future. I have good intentions. I know I, know I should work on it. And I'm working on it, but I just can't change. How many of us have said, I'll do it before it's too late? And the Lord says, Thou fool, this day thy life, thy soul shall be required of thee. You want to take that chance? You see, God's trying to tell us something. When we see all these tragedies that keep taking place, their life is short. Our time for serving Him is limited. And the time to take care of sin is today, not sometime in the future. We need to get right with God. But here's the good news. There's a life to come in which there is no tragedy. There is victory. In 1 Corinthians 15, chapter beginning of verse 51, it says, Behold, I will show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this incorruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to be lost. That's the good news. We don't have to, to, to end our lives in a lost condition. We can have that victory, and that victory comes through the blood of Christ. What He did on the cross for you and me, so that you and I could obey the, His gospel and have salvation. That's the only way we can have victory. Don't think that you're going to get up there and say, Lord, look at all the good things that I've done. Because look what He said in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Are you doing His will? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. What would be your reaction if you heard that shout? And you heard that trumpet of God? And the voice of the archangel, what would be your reaction? Would you try to run and hide? Or would you welcome it? It goes on, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What a comforting thought to know that if you, you die in this life, you got a home in heaven, but if you're here in this life and you're living a faithful life to God, guess what? You get to go to heaven too. And in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, 
Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were so, not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare you a place. Go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. I can't imagine how beautiful that place is. But God wants us to know that He's prepared a special place for you and me if we're faithful and if we are a child of His. And that's wonderful to know. Because I think the best description is found there in Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, where it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there were no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of, from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God, shall, God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And He that sat upon that throne said, Behold, I will make all things new. And He said unto me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. You can read the description that it gives of heaven in Revelation 20 and 21. And we know that it's figurative, and people say, well, that's not really what it is. It's not that picture. But I've always thought if that's the picture, the words that have to be used to describe what God has built and created for me, then I want to go there. But to think, you know, he uses some pictures there for us. That new city, that new place, comes down and looks and reminds you of a bride that's adorned for her husband. I would imagine that most of us that are husbands in this room can remember that day that you saw that bride, maybe walking down an aisle, maybe standing in a courthouse, wherever it may have been, maybe out in some field somewhere. But you remember the beauty of that bride. And that's what Jesus wants us to remember. And then he goes on to describe no tears, no pain, no suffering, no separation. All the things that cause us grief here in this world will be gone. And how sad it would be to know that you had an opportunity to have that as your home and you passed it up. My dad used to say, I've heard him preach many times, if you've heard that gospel message once, do you really deserve to get to hear it twice? That's how valuable that message is. There's a lot of people that's heard that message more than once. More than twice. Some may have heard it hundreds of times, but they're still hanging on. Don't want to make that commitment. We want to go to heaven. And we need to comply with what the Lord has told us that we need to do.
So the question is, are we listening to the message that God sent us and given us? How are we affected by tragedy? Depends on us. We can look at Job and we see that Job rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down to the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We realize that all of this stuff is just temporary, basically loaned to us by God. Because guess what? When we go, it's all staying here. But look at the attitude that Job had. He trusted God. There's no greater trust in God than trusting your soul to Him. And through His Word, we understand what we need to do. And so are we hearing that message of God in tragedy? That life is fragile? That our time to do God's will is limited? And the opportunities for dealing with our sin is also limited? And that we're reminded that life is short. But we can have victory in the end if we're faithful to our Lord. We've seen this morning what we need to do. If you're not a Christian, you know that you need to be baptized into Christ. That's the only way into Christ. That's what Galatians chapter 3 tells us, that we're baptized into Christ. We also see that baptism washes away our sin, as we read there in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. We also know that we need to repent and turn away from our sin and confess the name of Christ before men and put our faith and trust in Him. And until we do those things, we're not a child of God. And it's just that simple. And so I would encourage you this morning that if you're not in the right condition with God, think about that. Make the right decision today to become a child of His. You don't want to walk down that aisle. I'm standing at the back door. We can take care of it. Then we'll come up here and we'll baptize you at the end of service if that's what it takes. I tell people I'd get up in the middle of the night. That's how important it is to me that you become a Christian. And I'd get up in the middle of the night for anyone that wants to be buried with our Lord in baptism. Are you ready? Are you listening to that message? You have the opportunity to come and respond as together we stand and sing. All things are ready. Come on to the